You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of the Renewed You podcast. I am your host, John Yule, and I am so glad that you guys have chosen to be with us today as we continue our pursuit to live the life that God has created us to live. I want to remind you one more time that the way that happens is we have got to learn to take control of our mind. We've got to take control of our belief system. And man, we have got to take a charge of our physical body. You put all of those three elements together and you really can create your best life ever. And that is what we are all about on this podcast. Today, my special guest is a return guest. He's my cousin and my friend, Chris Drake. And Chris is involved with Hope Ministries. You're going to hear a lot about that and uh, the growth of that ministry. And then we'll just see where our conversation goes. But before we get to that, I want to remind you one more time that our podcast is sponsored today by New Life Church. Find out more about New Life at newlifeokc.org. Org, and we would love to have you join us for services there on the weekends at 1030. So, Chris, I'm so glad that you are here today. Welcome back. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to come back onto the show and, and discuss some things with you. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, the last time, man, that, that uh, we chatted, you told your story um, as far as your journey from addiction and how you turned your life around. And I mean, now you're involved in Hope Ministries, which now allows you to do the same thing for so many more people. And I just think that is phenomenal. And uh, the Hope Ministries, man, has really exploded. Um, Why don't you take a moment? I know a lot of people may not know a lot about Hope Ministries. So um, talk a little bit about Josh Hanna and kind of the formation and where all of this has flown from as he's kind of the guy that's that really created all of this. Right, right. So Josh Hanna is the CEO of the Compassion Network and also the founder and CEO of Hope Center Ministries. Um, It started 14 years ago, Waverly, Tennessee, with one center um, that you could probably barely call a center back then um, and has now in the last 14 years grown to 27 current open locations, both in the United States, Hawaii and Wales. So God has Josh. moved and blessed that ministry from from start to finish and everywhere in between and continues to do so because we are growing exponentially in, in every region of the U.S. And, and internationally as well. So, Well, I would invite you guys to check out Hope Ministries. Their website is in the details of this podcast. And uh, Josh Hanna is a guy who himself went through recovery and turned his life around and now he started this ministry and now guys like you are being impacted like that and getting able to do that for so many other people um why don't you pick up where we kind of left off on our last podcast and just give people a synopsis of kind of what's been going on in your world uh the last several months Sure. So we, we left uh, the conclusion of our last podcast. I was fixing to relocate to Dunn, North Carolina uh, to go be the recovery coordinator of that campus. Um, 
it, it uh, needed some things, some DNA, some some hopes in her DNA, and uh, I was able to provide that. Uh, so I went there and, and helped um, start kind of developing that center specifically, um, and and uh, by my opinion, did did well at it, and the opinion of others as well. Um, but then I also helped um, with the development of the Goldsboro Center. Uh, it opened shortly thereafter uh, my arrival in North Carolina. And the East region in itself is is grown so much and and has the potential to grow rapidly uh, to the point that I know we're looking to open the doors on six additional centers um, by the conclusion of 2021. Uh, so if you look at the entire uh, organization, it would be the one with the the most growth this year alone. Um, no other region is growing at that rate. And it's just simply because of what God is doing and obviously the epidemic, we need more and more Christ-centered recovery programs. I mean, myself, I went through the secular aspects of rehabilitation and um, they failed, Yeah, you know, obviously, because Christ wasn't the, the, the foundation for that. So we need Christ-centered recovery programs and Hope Center Ministries has a, a for lack of a better term, the angle on that market, so to speak. I mean, as far as success is concerned. Um, so it, it's been an awesome journey this far, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, what what's going to unfold in front of me as, as we continue to grow and to develop everywhere. Yeah, man. I, I think that um, we are underestimating what this whole pandemic era that we have all still kind of living in. And by the time that we're recording this, we're starting to come to the end of it, I believe, but man, we have no idea how long it's going to take us to get to the actual end That's of, true. of it. But, um, I was reading the other day and one of the stats that I came across, uh, from the American psych psychiatric association is that there has been over a 90% rise. I think it's like 92% rise in people requesting screenings for anxieties and there's been over a 93% rise in people seeking uh, screenings for depression. And just in those two categories, over 80% of them have tested out as being moderate to severe, uh, whether it is anxiety or whether it is uh, depression, just since the beginning of this pandemic. And then you look at the numbers for alcoholism. I mean, al if you want to know about alcohol, all you got to look at is the sales, which has skyrocketed all across the nation. So um, I just think that that there's a whole lot of us that need to get free of not just COVID, but man, we got to get free of the stuff that we were we were medicating ourselves with to try to get through it. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it's seclusion in itself. You know, it, when you have to seclude as a from a a physical standpoint from society, then you're automatically going to in turn seclude mentally. Um, from society as well and that interaction of human or human interaction in general has virtually ceased to exist or so that was what was the course of action to try to prevent the spread of this pandemic so um, all of those things that you said are correct I, I myself have done some research uh, recently in regards to the increase in prescription drug um, use just not not necessarily maybe from the abuse aspect of it but just the rise of it in general just All prescription drugs in general yeah just like you said anxiety depression medications and then obviously alcohol sales through the roof those are things that we're starting to see that are that are i mean realistically growing at a, a, a faster pace than they have in the past because uh, when you remove the human interaction from individuals 
then life itself is, is slowly being removed where everything is device driven or everything is virtual driven. And that's not interaction. That's simply screen time. Right. And not even trying to overly spiritualize it on the importance of being uh, creatures that need or were created for community or whatever. Um, just look at the hunger. Um, when I was looking at baseball, you know, um, I don't know how many people have noticed, but some of these stadiums that have opened up, man, back to fans, they're at capacity. Like Atlanta is full all the way around because people crave being together. And um, yeah, man, if we don't have that, then we've got to kind of medicate that, that, that missing component in our life. And it's going to leave a lot of us to abuse. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think because that it creates a void in life in general. And because of that, people want to find a way to fill that void. And more often than not, it's in a detrimental way um, where in all honesty, um, to play off what you said, not to bring too much spirituality into it, but if you're trying to fill that void, it should really be filled with God yeah. because you know, he, he's the, I mean, he's the ultimate answer to all things um, when it comes to satisfaction. So if we, as a society would, would lean on him in this aspect of, of um, difficulty, then uh, I think that we would stray away from those things. However, society doesn't align with that mentality overall. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, um, you know, God is working in, in, in a multitude of ways um, in every aspect of the development of, of um, spirituality, both in hope center and in churches across the nation and I don't know if I told you this or not, but I saw a meme not too long ago where it had a picture of an old man, Jesus and an old man devil. And, uh, above the devil's head in the bubble, it said, uh, ha ha COVID shut down all your churches. And above God's head, it said, uh, jokes on you. It actually opened one up in every home. Right. Right. <laughs> so it gave us a new platform to, to minister and a different, uh, avenue of outreach that some of us had already started to go that direction from the virtual platform, but it really gave us a new understanding of what it is to minister to people from um, that are in that secluded because you've got the aspect of fear. That's what all this is driven by anyways, is fear. And so when you have people that aren't wanting to get out into society and they're wanting to stay home, that's their personal opinion and, and right to do so, but it gave us the ability to reach them at a different level. And I think that's been a significant learning curve for all of us in the aspect of the ministry field. And um, I've noticed that even though uh, maybe in-person attendance has slowed down, even with the churches that I'm involved with, um, online attendance has skyrocketed. Sky, yeah, ours has too. So yeah. Totally. And so it's really cool to see, um, you know, <laughs> The whole statement, you you know, you give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, but you teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. In essence, that's what we're doing. We're teaching these people how to still survive and how to feed not their spiritual well-being um, from a lot farther distance. And it isn't having a positive impact. It seems like I see more and more um, success stories of people developing some intimacy within with the relationship with God from that distance as opposed to maybe what they were before. And I think those of us that are developing that have are, are realizing that it's irrelevant to where it takes place. As long as the body and the spirit is still pursued, then the growth it comes naturally. That's right. And I think, I think we can't underestimate the importance of desperation in any kind of change in our life. I mean, you had to come to a place of desperation before things that you had heard or even tried to do in the past really took root in your life. I know for me, I had to come to a point of desperation before I got control of my life. 
Um, and I think that's what's happening to a lot of people is we're becoming, we've got all this uncertainty. We're desperate to find hope. Um, so people are searching out God like probably never before. Um, even though we're connecting online, the church I think is being shaken back to realizing, man, this really is all about connecting one with another. You know what? Take away all of our stuff. And at the end of the day, what we really crave is being able to connect with each other uh, more than a worship style or anything else. Um, and so it, it, where I think God has given us a brand new platform is getting us back to tar- back targeted on how do we really equip people? Like you said, how do we equip people to where they do things on their own? Well, and that's a that's a good question. And for me, it's relationships. Um, without the relationship, nothing is able to be built from that, right? So, I, I'm a very highly relational individual. So, when from the beginning stages of a relationship to the development to the actually cultivating it to watching it blossom into something outside of just a one on one or a two on two or a small group setting, I think that that's what we have to get back to is understanding the significance of the relationship that we share with each other. You know, I was had this conversation with um, one of my residents uh, literally last week before I flew out. And uh, I said, if you really think about it, we weren't, we're, we're not meant to do life alone all the way back to Noah's Ark. God put the animals two by two, right? He pairs this up in matrimony two one by one, two by two, right? So in life, it's the same. You have to take that understanding and you have to apply it to know that I'm, I'm good with God. However, I'm better with another individual and God and then add another one. And so it, it creates a different dynamic of relationship pursuit. And I think that's something that, um, personal opinion over the last several years, society as a whole has stopped focusing on the individual, the personal relationship and focused more on the, um, say technical relationship. Mm-hmm. I know that it's that's kind of can be a little contradictory to what I said earlier, but um, you know our screen time takes away from our personal interaction with people, um, but it's also in turn given us a way to reach people that we wouldn't have otherwise. So there's a it's a fine line, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to the relationship and how you can develop that. In my opinion, and it's pouring into one another. Yeah, we weren't really meant is. to do life alone, so why would we strive to or think to do so? Why do you think so many people try to do life alone? Um, well, I mean, honestly, if you really think about it, the first thing that came to my mind when you asked that question was um, something that you we've all heard growing up. Well, if you want something done right, do it, do it yourself. Well, if I have to have you and another person involved in the decision-making process of whatever I'm doing, um, if I don't like or agree with the decision, then uh, it can play both negative and positive on whether the outcome is going to be what I want. So I think people have understood if I just, they, they go back to that mentality. Well, if I'm going to do it, I'll just do it by myself and I'll mud through it. And at the end of the day, that is actually, in my opinion, counterproductive because you need that. I need this conversation or any conversation I need and want your opinion um, because it helps me see things from something I wouldn't, I call it a blind spot. So if I have a blind spot, it's something that hopefully with the relationship we have, you would point that out to me and say, Hey, did you notice this? Which that strengthens our relationship. It also changes my perspective and gives me a better understanding moving forward. Um, so I think it's I think it's vital for those people in your life to be a part of the decisions that you make. Maybe obviously not all of them, but if you really need someone, you need to be able to rely on them and know that 
the relationship you have with them is going to be one based on them telling you what you need to hear, not what you want. Right. Which hear. is what a real friend is. Exactly. Um, have you always been relational? Yes. Were relationships ever hard for you? Oh, of course. Um, we, we, we want to go personal or professional. Uh, Either um, way, man, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I think relationships uh, for me have been difficult from time to time. I think um, making them or starting them, not so much. Sometimes maintaining them. Uh, yeah. Separation between personal and professional can be difficult. Um but at the end of the day, I think that comes with individual maturity and also maturity in that relationship um, and conflict. How do you resolve that is going to um, weigh greatly on the success of the relationship. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, because there are, there are some people that view conflict as a negative. They don't view it as a positive within a relationship. Um, when a lot of my vantage point of team building or relationship flows out of sports because I played sports and the teams that were really good, our basketball teams that were really good. When I've, I've thought about this often, I can go back and there was at least one team fight. There was one team meeting where the leaders got in everybody's face and chewed each other out. And it was hard in that moment. And there was a lot of emotions, but once we got past it, everybody came together and we became a tighter team. Um, and so conflict and resolution of conflict actually builds the relationship, don't you think? I do. Versus destroys it? I do. I think that conflict, um, when approached properly, is very healthy to the relationship. Um, I, I think that you have to be able to step back and remove the emotion from the situation. And that doesn't happen uh, automatically. That's a right. practice and a learned process. Um, but I think once you can do that... Um, Proper conflict resolution is also another form of um, constructive criticism, right? So they're one and the same um, in certain areas for me. So if I value the person that's in the relationship or that's causing the conflict, the way that I practice this is if, if my emotions are too attached, I'll stop. Let's step away. Let me think, collect my thoughts. You'll do the same. And then we'll come back and try to have an unbiased conversation about it. Let's look at facts instead of emotions. Let's think about mm -hmm. logic um, and, and try to break it down. But I think that uh, I think that conflict, in my opinion, I've grown to enjoy it because um, it is something that if you can get a handle on it, when you're building relationships, you're always going to have conflict, professional or not. And if you understand how to navigate through that properly, then you're going to build a much more solid relationship and also be able to teach someone else how to do the same thing. And if we're trying to replicate ourselves, then some of those skills that we lack as a society as a whole and individually as well, we need to try to practice those things more so that we can really get back to what it's like to have a relationship that encompasses the best and most productive needs of the individuals involved. That's right. We, we uh, teach it, um, just to keep it simple, we, we call it the law of the squares. Mm. Um, so if you can imagine a grid listener with four individual squares in it, and let's say that the number one square is your personal square. Um, like for me, you know, there's, there's John, the person, then there's John, the husband, that would be another square. And then there's John, the father, that would be another square, another each square represents relationships or functions. And then there's John, the minister. Okay. Um, well, let's say there's a Sunday afternoon and 
my wife wants to give me some constructive criticism that can help me be a better minister, then what we've learned is when I get offended, it's because my emotions are built and exist within my personal space. And we've had to learn and how to say, hey, get out of your personal space. I'm talking about a function in your life. I'm trying to help make you a better this. I'm not talking about you as the person. And that has really helped us to, to try to learn and, and, and build teams around that concept that, you know, 90% of what it is that ticks us off emotionally is probably stuff that has nothing to do with us personally at all. But because we live in our personal space and we don't understand how to get better in these other spaces of our life, when someone comes along and, and gives Chris some constructive criticism on how to be a director better, man, if Chris takes that personally and gets agitated, well, it's because Chris is hanging out in his personal spot spot and needs to get out. Hey, leave Chris the person alone. Let's talk about Chris the director. Let's get better. This has nothing to do with you personally. And um, I think if we're going to have relationships with people we that, that really do work beyond just your basic fluff relationships mm-hmm. is we've got to really grab a hold of that little bitty concept of don't always live in your personal bubble. Right. Learn that, that there are functions and each person, each function in your life draws a different side of you out. But if I'm going to develop myself physically, um, I've got a personal trainer in my life. Um, I'm recovering from COVID. I don't know if I told you that, but I had COVID back in January um, of 2021 and man, it kicked my tail. Um, I was down for about two and a half, three weeks. Um, and then I thought I was great. And then I went to jog the first of February and I couldn't make it halfway up my street. I just couldn't breathe. And, um, I would, I couldn't, I would have a fogginess in my head and, and all this jazz. And I finally, uh, my doctor wouldn't let me work out and (laughs) told me, man, it's going to take you longer than you think. I didn't get released to go back to the gym until the 1st of April of 2021. By that time, dude, I'd gained a COVID-15, you know? <laughs> and so I walk in there to my trainer and I'm like, dude, we got to get back. You know, I, I see the pictures from last summer and I cry and blah, 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 blah. I got to get back. And uh, so you start working hard and everything. And at some point, he had to pull me back and say, look, quit taking your physical appearance personally. It's This isn't a reflection on you as a person. But if you'll just trust what I'm doing out here, everything's going to work out. And so at the times where I get agitated with myself, even when working out, mm-hmm. you know, my coach, Eli, he tells me, dude, get out of your box, get out of your box. You can only do what your body is able to do. So whatever. What if we approach relationships that way? And instead of taking everything offensive, yeah. realize that maybe this person's just trying to make me a better this or a better that or a better this. Well, and I, I think that's a, a good question. And I think people don't do that. We live in that emotional state. Um, and that's what can, that, that's what makes the, the relationship so difficult. Um, that's something I've worked on a lot. Let's just say in the last year was how to understand what the person was bringing to the table from a standpoint that it's not a reflection of, like you said, me, it's a reflection of the action that I was a part of. So how can I make the action more reflection uh, or produce better results? And I think that's just simply comes from, like Eli said, get out of your own way, right? I tell people all the time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, just 
I use this analogy. Every morning when you step up in front of the mirror, that person staring back at you is your biggest obstacle. Sometimes you got to sidestep that guy and get (laughs) out of your own way before you can see what you're able to succeed at. And that's that's produced really good results with me, especially in in what I do from a ministry standpoint. You know, you look at individuals that don't have um, a relationship with themselves whatsoever, right? Shame, guilt, hatred, resentment, all of those things, which in turn causes them to not have an identity, not understand what purpose they have. And when you can tell them to show them and help guide them out of their own direction, um, then they start to develop the relationship with themselves. So if <clears throat> if relationships are what we're trying to do a better job at, number one, we have to do a better job at the relationship of us. Of us. That's good. Yeah. Before we have any chance at being successful in the relationships outside of us. So it goes back to, you must, I use this a lot too. You've got to learn to fall back in love with yourself before you can ever start to try to give love away. Well, yeah. you've got to have an understanding and a complete relationship with yourself before you can really understand what it's like to have a complete relationship with someone else. Right. And so I think that that's, I don't like the term uh, personally self-help, but that's really what that is. If you can pour into yourself and invest into yourself, that's your most vital asset outside of time. I had somebody... Um, a month ago, we were having a conversation about the stock market and investments and so on and so forth. This individual says, I've got X number of dollars. What should I invest into? And I said, well, is that all that you have at your, fine, you know, that's liquid that you can, yeah, it is. Oh, well, if it were me, I would invest in myself far before I'd gamble <laughs> on anything else. Right. Because if you make yourself um, an asset, then at that point in time, you have the ability to go far beyond wherever that stock would ever go. And so in, in at the end of the day, um, we circled back to the fact that you have to have a, um, you have to be in tune with number one and that's you. Yeah. Yeah. And most people, most people don't, um, take into account the importance of a relationship with themselves. I mean, you really do. If a relationship is based on communication, is that, I mean, that would be one of the basis, right? Sure. Well, come on. Do you not have a communication with yourself in your head? All the time. I mean, all the time, right? Yeah, dude. And so we've got to get get a harness on this relationship with ourselves. You're right. Uh, well, there's that old adage. It's probably a scripture. I mean, I know it's a scripture, but forget that it is because it's still true. You love others as you love, you love yourself, which means if I don't love me, I really can't love somebody else. Yeah, you know. For sure. um, when you were coming through your recovery to to get to where you are today. Um, how did that go with you as far as rebuilding your relationship with yourself? You'd obviously led yourself into a bad direction. Right. So how did you take charge of it and redirect your life? Um, honestly, step work, right? I had to. So <clears throat> for those of you that may or may not be um, uh, know what step work is. So a four step is a personal inventory, right? So it is an in-depth process of self-examination. To understand that the substance abuse is superficial, right? But the internal reason behind the substance abuse is what you're trying to find. So when you do that in-depth self-examination, you start to unpack what has been buried, right? So if I thought about one issue, what birthed because of that, right? So when I was able to understand myself, which was a very difficult process, I mean, mentally, emotionally, physically draining process to go through. 
the best process I could have ever done. Now I do it quarterly. So it, to keep my side of the, my, my slate clean, my side of the street clean, so on and so forth. But what it was is it was really understanding who I was and what I had become, what had been allowed by me. Um, and, and just the, the compilation of all those things. So becoming self-aware and, yeah. and understanding the internal <laughs> design of yourself um, is what gave me the ability to say, okay, this is what it is. Now, then from a spiritual standpoint, because I'm a Christian, I took it and I laid it at the feet of God and said, look, this is not, this is your battle. I'm taking it and laying it at your feet. I'm going to stop fighting it. It's not mm-hmm. mine to fight. I'm going to give it back to you. Um, and you can handle all that. And then I literally said, uh, I took a, something my mother told me, um, and I put it into practice. And that was, you know, God gives us um, dominion over all things of the world, right? Well, the devil roams to and fro, so he's of this world. So the attack mentally would be you're not good enough or reliving the situations or thoughts or, or acts of, of life throughout my, my time of active addiction. And there would, those attacks I would stop and automatically just say, I bind and rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, you have no place here. Get behind me. And initially when she brought that to me i thought okay it might work and i was really young at trying to get back into this when she brought it to me and um but i went ahead and and ran with it and put that into practice and that made a significant difference because then it showed me that i have the ability to continue to push it off of me and give it back to god Mm -hmm. right but it all came from me being self-aware and understanding that the resentment fall was uh developed because of an offense that was probably nothing that really offended me at the end of the day it's just i took offense to it but it became me being self-aware of of who i was on the inside um would you would you be okay with the with the idea of you you got honest with you yeah of course yeah i think i know for me i know i spent a lot of my life lying to myself sure you know deep down you know really what the truth is about you or whatever um but you buy into the lie of that doesn't matter or it's not really that big of a deal or or whatever so your self inventory thing that you went through was really a process of you getting honest with you yep 100 percent. and once you got honest with you then you were able to take charge of that relationship with yourself and and change the direction of your life yes and uh, i think that that's good for all of us man when we kind of get lost or um i was speaking the other day and use the analogy. Um, uh, in fact, when I started thinking about the analogy, I thought, wow, this is really going to date myself. <laughs> but then when I was bouncing it off of my um, college kid, you know, I found out, oh, yeah, we've got those. Some of my friends have those. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they just called me different, but they call them vinyl now. I call them records, records. but vinyls are in, man. Yeah, that's a whole new fad. It is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're even going to get in the, those little record players mm-hmm. and taking them. I would have, man, I grew up on those. I grew up, you know, pulling the fuzz off the needle right. and everything. And, but, uh, I had this one record that my dad bought me, um, that had a bunch of fifties, fifties and sixties songs on it. And one of them was called Palisades Park. And it was about going to, uh, take this roller coaster ride and hanging out with their friends at Palisades Park. But why I remember it was because at some point I got a scratch in that song. And so I would play it and it would hit that scratch and it would bump and it would just mm. keep playing this one section over and over and over. And the only way I could deal with it was I had to physically walk over there, pick up the stupid needle and move it to another track, <laughs> you know? And, um, so many of us, um, live our life stuck in the scratch. 
And it's we, we keep going around the same thing over and over and over again when what we really need to do is take control of the needle of our own life. Pick it up, move it somewhere else. Yeah. Come to God if you have to. Let God pick up your needle mm-hmm. and move it move it somewhere else. Um, we've got to take control of ourselves. Otherwise, we're never really going to change anything. Well, and I also think, and yeah, you're you're right. And you know, I'm, I'm sure you said this and heard this throughout life. You know, pick your battles. Is it worth fighting or is it worth not fighting? And that was something that also was a big tool in, in my personal development was, is this worth my time and energy? If it's not, then why am I investing any of my time and energy into it? Right. Right. So what's, what's the shortest way to solve the problem? The, is the shortest route, right? From point A to point B. So I, I started to, if a situation was presented to me where it was problematic by the person that presented it to me, well, what are the foundation? What's the foundation of the problem? Is it me? Is it them? Is it something completely outside of that? And is it worth me really fighting? And when I started, um, basically not fighting the problems that weren't worth, worth my time, then they become, they became a lot less, um, time consuming by all means. And, um, I, I think in general, we, we lose sight of the most simplistic way to deal with stuff. Um, we try to overcomplicate, overanalyze. My dad tells me all the time, he said, you over intellectualize everything. And I'm a thinker, so I, I do have that. That's, that's a character defect of mine, um, but can also be a, a very big character asset. But I think people sure in general do that. Hey, every asset in our lives can also be become a detriment yeah. if it's ever out of balance sure. with other things. So just everybody, we need to know our giftings yeah. and because those are the things that make us strong. But yeah, too much of one thing throws us out of balance yeah for sure too much of a good thing is a bad thing right? <laughs> <laughs> well it depends don't tell my wife that because I, I can never get enough time with her so uh, that's a good thing that well, that never runs out <laughs> I can, I, well that, that that's true Touché. just trust me it's true <laughs> but um so uh you've you uh went through this process of regaining your own life mm-hmm. redirecting yourself uh you you get involved with hope ministries that assisted in that process and now you're you're leading, launching these things all over the United States, man. What is that like? Uh, it's uh, it's very surreal. It's um, you know, I get asked that a lot. Um, you know, working with Hope Center, you know, you have residents. You know, God's given you stewardship over them, over that um, those residents within that that the campus, and you know, the testimony of, I know what it's like to be on that side of the table to where I am now, to the things that I'm involved with locally, nationally. Um, man, it's uh, sometimes emotionally overwhelming to think that, that, um, that that's what the end result was going to be to a lifetime of insanity and chaos. <laughs> um, but it's very empowering and it, and it goes to show you that um, it does not matter. And addiction does not discriminate in the, in the slightest. And I always revert back to Luke 15. Um, that is something that it, it's, it's a story that just resonates within me. Um, you know, the 99 for the one. Um, right. And it's not to harm the 99, but it's to bring the person back to benefit. Right. The greater good of the kingdom. And, um, and that's my understanding of it anyway. No, I agree with you. I think yeah. the 99, what you're referencing is the story of the shepherd, mm-hmm. um, where Jesus is talking to the religious leaders 
whose focus was on the 99 in the pen, basically. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was saying, hey, I'm going to go out here and look for the ones no one is looking for. Um, Because from Jesus's vantage point, the 99 was supposed to be 100. So the 99 is actually the one who is at a loss as well. Right. You know, and so um, it's easy for us that are, quote, the found (laughs) to lose the concept that we're still not yet complete if someone in our who's supposed to be in our sphere right is not right and that's yeah that's completely accurate and i've noticed that just so from being away from north carolina for the last week um you know there's a void there because of my relationships with those those people and wanting them to to get to this side of the table right um and and a lot of them want that and I think that's the the coolest thing, regardless of opening or being a part of restructure, DNA, any outside of all of that hoopla, the best part of all of it is watching them grow, mm-hmm. is watching the flock unite, grow, be redefined, find a purpose, ownership, identity, all of those things that we look for that we lost. That's the that's the ultimate blessing to me is to just know that at one point in time in my life somebody felt that I was worth the time and the investment and then being able to give that again that's the most fulfilling aspect of this is to watch someone recognize the potential that they thought they never had or show them the potential that they've never seen and watch them step into the path that God has laid before them that is um, that's the bread and butter, the nuts and bolts, whatever you want to call yeah. it. That is, that is the driving force within me. If I can be a part of your life and help you see the purpose that God has for you in your own life and the lives of others, at the end of the day, man, I lay my head down and I'm satisfied. And I know, um, without a shadow of a doubt that God is also satisfied with me as his son right and what he's charged me with um so the blessing is always the resident it's always them it's the upside down pyramid right see i love that answer out of you chris because so many people that i talk to whether it's through a podcast or just in ministry or whatever we seem to all be enamored with the structure with the thing and so here i ask you a question about what is it like to launch these things these uh, hope centers all over the United States. And yet you just totally bypassed it right back to where our heart really should be. It should always be about the individual. Um, I've spent some time talking with pastors recently, um, that that's one of the things I'm hoping to see us really re- readjust as we come out of this culture is we should genuinely be caring for the individual, not what the individual can do for the organization, but just care about the person and then let everything else build that person up and we'll see it all take care of itself. Absolutely. Um, do you, when you meet these guys in other States, Mm -hmm. um, drug addicts, I guess you guys deal with drug addicts, alcoholics, alcoholics. Do you deal with, with, uh, um, when you say drug addicts, so you probably include prescription drugs and any type of uh, substance of of abuse where, um, yeah, all of them, the rainbow, (laughs) The rainbow yeah, of them. So, yeah. um, folks, we're not just talking about druggies with needles. No, we're not talking about cocaine and heroin and meth only. We're talking about lower tabs, Vicodins, Percocets, Oxys, 
you know, uh, benzos, everything, anything that you can abuse. Um, there's not many people that I haven't come across in my life in general, nor in Hope Center that, that uh, uh, hasn't experienced some type of, of grip or stronghold from those things. So, so yeah. when you see these people, mm-hmm. um, of course, you have the drug part in your background. Sure. You also have the alcohol part yes. in your background. So do you ever see your old self in some of these people? All the time. All the time. How does that how does that feel? What, what does that do to you? Does it do anything? Does it, it ins- does it help give you compassion for them or what? It inspires me. This is probably not the answer that most no, 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 no. I want to hear it. Come on. Yeah. So, when, when it, so let's take this, if it was you, right? So you're sitting in front yeah, of Yeah, but you. I asked about you, not yeah, No, 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 but I'm using you as an example. So let's say this, let's say you're that person. Let's say you I'm come the drug addict. My, yeah, so okay. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm you a drug addict. my campus. All right. Right. It's the first time I'm meeting you. Yeah. And you're telling me, all of the horrible, all of the terrible, the woe is me. Do I have compassion for that? Absolutely. Can I relate? 100%. Do I identify? Yeah, that's unequivocal. Um, however, what I see is it's inspiration because you are the mo- you're the broken pot, mm-hmm. right? And my job, right? You came in here thinking, I want to get sober. Chris, help me get sober. Right. Cool. I'll help you get sober. But first, what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to God or Jesus Christ. And the sobriety becomes that byproduct. So it's inspiring to me to watch this broken pot be remolded into the masterpiece that it was designed for. Exactly. So it's it's like this this tingling motivation, inspiration, um, joy, because I know that if the person is truly committed to the change and the process that they have to go through to um, to gain that change, then it's going to be glorious the entire way. Do you ever have people in, um, and there is definitely a spiritual angle to my question here, um, so it's a two-sided coin. Um, do you ever have people that are committed, they say they're committed to the change, but they're not willing to commit to the process? All the time. All the time. time. So I guess that's not going to work very well in that structure over there. Well, well, here's the deal. No one, let's look at it this way. So for me personally, 20 years of active addiction, right? Um, The minute you hit me with, well, it's going to take a year commitment to this program to change, to help get the tools to change. Oh, I've got to do a whole year? Well, yeah. If you really look at it, though, that's a very small time as opposed to the alternative right. before or the alternative after. So it, it all stems back to, uh, for me, Romans 12, too, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have to renew the mind right. and the thought process. So the commitment um, to the process is they're always hesitant. There's always pushback. Um, what I always use is I'll use like the two rule. Give it a couple of days. Let's talk about it again. Give me two two weeks. Let's talk about it again. What's happened in two days? What's happened in two weeks? Well, let's talk about it at the two month mark. Now, obviously, we're interacting throughout the entire process, but we're gonna we're gonna judge what's been gained. We're gonna we're gonna go back and we're gonna look at at the progress throughout that process, and then they start to see, oh, huh, it's already been two months, and we're talking about it again. Yep. Yeah, oh, man. So the time really starts to fly because they they their focus is not directed to the year. It's directed to what happens day by day. And then you start to show them. See, what you can't focus on and what all addicts focus on initially is the negative. 
Mm-hmm. You have to change their mindset to the positive. Are we structured and are we scheduled as an organization? Absolutely, because addicts lose that in, in right. its entirety. However, if you revert their focus to the individual progress, then they start to believe in themselves again, that it is possible, because for so long, it hasn't been. All you've got to do is just help redirect their focus to what they're doing and the succeeding aspect of this process. And at that point in time, you start to see the commitment level change. Well, they'll dive in deep. Well, they'll anchor down. Well, they're, okay, I'm getting this. You know, just recently I had a guy that told me, he's like, man, I don't think I can do a year. And I said, (laughs) I mean, what's a year of your life in the grand scheme of things? Right. Yeah, sure. You've been doing it your way for so long. If you were a gambling man, why would you not push all your chips in to the one alternative that could give you the rest of your life of freedom and success and empowerment and joy beyond your wildest imagination? If you can tell me a reason not to try what you haven't tried. Right. And it's believable. Okay, I'll side with you. They can't get you. They can't can't, can't come back at that. Yeah, there's there's no legitimate logical answer or reason or ability to justify the alternative. Totally. If you weren't here looking, you wouldn't have recognized that it was a problem to begin with. So you've realized it. You've gotten to that point where there's got to be another way. Well, you went all out on that. I'm an all gas, no break kind of guy. So <laughs> right. I'm either all in or I'm nothing right. at all. So that's how they are as well. So if you get them all in, and it's just a time. It, uh, time does not heal all wounds. Um, but investing time into the growth of yourself has the tendency to help you understand how to heal some of the deepest and darkest wounds. Yeah, I think when people use that phrase, time heals all wounds, what they're really meaning is that by ignoring it, it'll just go away. When really what you got to do is you've got to reinvest time in the very thing that hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I've come to believe in my own life is the places that hurt me or the, the areas that hurt me, that I recoil from are eventually the places that God is going to use to bring healing back out in me to really complete it. So if you get church hurt and you bail on church, well, guess what? Eventually God's going to put you right back into another organization because only then are you ever really truly going, going to get healed. If, if uh, you, if your marriage fails and you're hurt in love, well, guess what? You got one of two choices. You can live the rest of your life alone Mm -hmm. or at some point, you're going to have to go back out there into the love scene and let that become the place that God heals you. And I think some people, um, I was listening as you were talking there and I, I thought about drug addicts getting quick fixes, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get high, yeah. you know, and they, they become addicted to getting a quick fix, instant gratification, instant gratification. And when it comes to life change, a lot of us, we want the quick fix. Well, yeah, because no we don't want to go through the pain that the process is going to work things out of us to make the change happen yeah and one of, that's one of the things we say um in hope center all the time is don't skip the process right there's certain stages to the process the program's three phases to the process mm-hmm. completion don't skip the process but that doesn't go to just that it goes to every aspect of life and you're right people in general want instant gratification the quick fix because the process is too dragging, it's too debilitating, or they don't want to deal with it. When, in all reality, that's exactly what they need to come out on the other side. We, um, <clears throat> I was having a thought a while ago. 
um, in regards to the the process. Um, you know, Thomas Edison figured out 999 ways how not to make a light bulb. Right. Right. Until he figured out the one way that succeeded. So some of our biggest, and in my opinion, our best successes stem from our biggest, biggest failures. failures. Yeah. And recognizing the, you have to look for the silver lining. I tell guys this all the time. Look for the silver lining. You know, I, when I got shot, what was the silver lining? I lived, right? And it mm-hmm. didn't kill me when it should have. Um, when I DOA'd, what was the silver lining? I came back from something that I shouldn't have. When I got paralyzed, what was the silver lining? Well, that it made me a stronger, more understanding, and um, it changed my outlook as an individual on what we take for granted day in and day out. And so when you can understand the good that can come from the bad, it changes your perception of what really right. is bad and what really is good. And when you can really harvest that, um, that mentality and, and that emotion, then you can start to see that the negative should be what propels you towards the positive at the end of the day. Right. You know, when you think about processing, um, at some point, so you're saying you tell these guys, you got to commit to the process. Sure. You got to trust the, trust the end result that the process is going to get you there. All of us are addicted to the quick fix. We want to get there as quick as possible, whether that's in our weight. Uh, maybe some of you that are listening right now, you know, weight is a big issue for you. You need to drop some LBs. <laughs> um, and uh, maybe you've, you've fallen into the, the scratch of late night TV viewing. And you see all the things that are paraded before you that'll help you get the quick fix. You know, this diet plan, buy these meals, yada, 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 um, commit to our process. It'll get you there quicker. And we're, we seem to be kind of geared towards finding the quickest way to get to, to whatever the solution is or the result that we're wanting. When yet every time you take a shortcut, there is a trade-off to the shortcut. Um, most of us have gained weight. It's quite simple, folks. I mean, we're eating too many carbs, we're eating too much sugar, drinking too many sodas, and then we're sitting around way, way, way too long. Mm. A lot of us can drop a whole bunch of weight if we would just take control of the sugar, cut down on the sodium, cook more at home so we know exactly what we're eating, and 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 just get out and move a little bit, you'll drop some weight. But that takes time. It's mm. so much quicker to put on the weight. It takes twice as long to take it yeah. back yes, off. Yes, it does. And when we get stuck mentally, physically, emotionally in these scratches, it takes a lot of effort to lift the needle of our life and to move into a new direction. Yeah, and you're right. And and so many people are focused on the destination, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they forget to enjoy forget the, the journey. journey. Yeah, uh, right. I was just texting with with uh, with one of my leaders in in North Carolina before we started this, and um, I made a statement. I said uh, the journey is where the joy comes. That's where you you understand. That's where you really start to appreciate what the destination will bring. Right. But if you miss the journey, the destination's meaningless. You're if, right. If you're not taking people along the way of the journey, if you're not doing things together, then you don't understand nor appreciate the journey. Miss the forest for the trees. There's a whole bunch of Oh yeah, you can take analogies, all kinds of analogies. Right? But we were talking about a while ago um that instant gratification, you know, I, <clears throat> we, I'm sure you've heard the, the statement, um, God gives his uh, toughest soldiers the biggest battles. I think God puts his biggest and best warriors through hell so that, or allows them to go through hell so that they'll appreciate the destination of heaven Okay, and anyone That's that good. they can take along the way. 
And um, I, it's really about, you've got to understand it. I appreciate the process. Yeah, we really 100%. do. 100%. And I think we need to buy into that a whole lot more. Sure. One of the words that I've been thinking about, and then we'll wrap up for today, but one of the word, the thoughts I've been thinking about in many areas in my own life is the idea of trajectory. And it's the mm-hmm. same concept as journey. But if you think about, go back to your geometry days, you know, you start back with a small change in an angle, Mm -hmm. but you carry that out over a long distance, that change becomes massive. That's the committing to the process. Mm -hmm. It's, I think we've got to learn how to gauge the trajectory of our life. Um, and, and I think that helps us to see our own personal growth. Maybe, you know, whether it's in, in a church, maybe transitions aren't happening as quick as you want, but is the trajectory in the right way to get you yeah. to that goal? Uh, the time is the, is the commitment, but the trajectory is where you make the changes. And I just wonder how many of us, if we would just make a few small, what we think are small adjustments. Oh, and keep those things there over a long period of time. Yeah. Then suddenly we look back and the trajectory of our life is carried us to a place to where you and I were just talking today and um, you, you, you're about to hit a milestone in your own life. Come right. on, man. I mean, there had to be a time where you were at the beginning of that journey. The thought of being at this milestone seemed like forever. It did. And yet here you are. I know. And it really wasn't that long of a time. It frame. really isn't. But it all began with a small adjust with, I mean, major, but yet really, in the grand scheme of things, it was a small adjustment. It was a small adjustment, but you committed to the process. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just asking the listeners to take control of your life. Start with your thoughts, win the battle of your mind, make sure you're thinking the right way, uh, make sure you're believing the right things. Uh, we were sharing this at New Life Church this weekend that um, the thoughts of our life that take root in our heart become the fruit of our life. So if we don't like what our life is producing, go backwards. Change the things that are taking root in your heart. Well, how do you change those? You got to change the thoughts of our mind because our our life really does follow the dictation of the thoughts in our head. And some of us just need to take our thoughts, man, and let God really bathe our brain and learn to think from the vantage point of Christ and not from the vantage point of ourself. And just in a couple of times that I've talked to you on the phone or we've texted or whatever, man, I just love the way your brain thinks. I love because every time I see God just continuing to progress you, man, and um, continuing to place you, put you in places to where um, you're turning the very lives around that are staring you in the face. That, that is you. And, and who wouldn't want to give their life to do something like that? I just think it's amazing. Yeah, the reward um, is is um, it's unfathomable, almost unexplainable, really. It, it truly is. I, I tell guys all the time, uh, we're mere reflections of ourselves in different physical form. That's all addiction is. Yeah. That's all anything really is. Um, so look past the surface and see that my story and yours are really no different. We might have gone about them different ways, but at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing. It really is. And... I promise you, and I, and I use this all the time, if you're worthy of my time and investment, I'll invest all my time into you. But that's twofold because you've got to be willing to let me. Right. Right. You've got to be willing to let me. And uh, I can appreciate the fight, mm-hmm. you know. And um, But I, I can tell you the reward um, 
man, it, it far outweighs um, anything that can stand in the way of that said reward. Um, and that's all I want for these guys. I just want to see them succeed. At the end of the day, it's not about Hope Center Ministries. It's about the guy that's in Hope Center Ministries. It's about the person yeah. within Hope Center, and we want to care about the person. So um, if people who are listening today that want to find out, hey, man, how can I invest five, six bucks um, on a regular basis or whatever to help you guys, where do they need to go? It's real simple. So you go to uh, our website, hopecm.com. Um, there's a link on there that says Donate. Um, there's sponsorship availabilities there. We have uh, two different funds uh, every year that we uh, ask for donation or contribution to. Um, you can be a regular monthly donor, weekly donor, annual donor. You can be a premier sponsor, uh, different tiers. Um, but Keep Hope Alive, that is basically our sponsorship program. For um, most addicts, they don't have the finances to pay the one-time $700 fee that it takes to get into our program. We don't accept insurance. The cool thing about that $700 is once they graduate, we give them that back as a graduation aid check. Mm. Um, so sponsorship's always available. I've sponsored residents myself. My family has. I've got friends that do it and churches that have done it. And it simply gives that opportunity to someone that wouldn't have it. And at one point in time, we all needed someone to provide us with an opportunity that we didn't have. Right. And for most of these people, it's the ability to get into this program. So a lot of our residents are sponsored residents, and that is what sets them up for success. We all need somebody to to pour into us in one way or another, and a financial contribution can be made at hopecm.com under the donate link. Um, uh, or it can be done also via the telephone. There's an 800 number to home office on there. You can do it that way as well. So there's um, a couple different platforms to do it on. And I would encourage anyone that is um, wanting to help someone else with the opportunity of success in life to do so. I agree, man. I love what you guys are doing. I'm involved in it. I've taken a little bit of a break to finish some things at our church, but I'm getting ready to jump back in. It is worth our time to invest in other people. And uh, because all of us are on the journey, we're all trying to live uh, our best life forward. And, um, I just love the fact of being able to to just care for some guys and get to know different people that are on the journey and be a voice of encouragement. And anybody can do that. So hope is a great thing to be involved in. And um, Chris Drake is kind of, he's kind of my face for the group, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know you guys got a bunch of faces, but I just, I love what, what you're doing with your life, man. I bless you. I honor you. And um, I really do love you, buddy. I love really, you too, really man. Do, man. Well, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for joining us on another edition of the Renewed You podcast. To find out more about our guest, please check the description of this podcast for links. Donate, bless them, and hey, man, no matter what's going on in your world, know that the world deserves a Renewed You. We'll see you next time on the Renewed You podcast.